Welcome back. It's your host, Drew, here at Culture Wars. Whether it's academia, the lamestream media, religion, or politics, we will confront the left in all its depravity here at Culture Wars. This week, we watch on with horror as America becomes compliant. To preview coming attractions, where are we and how did we get here? Are we setting the stage for civil war? The left's audacity to accuse us of their crimes. And do conservatives have any reason to be positive about this week's election results? All that and more on tonight's edition of Culture Wars. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. You're darn right you have! Well, let's commence with something positive, because not much of... The remainder of the show is going to be. Sorry, folks. But that's just the reality that we all find ourselves in. A positive is that um, Madison Cawthorn, a conservative good young man from North Carolina, uh was victorious in his house race. This is his first time being elected to the House of Representatives, and he says he's a fighter, and boy, are we going to need it. We'll get into the granular in a few here, but let me just commence by saying this. If Biden is indeed elected president we are headed for a dark winter in this nation we need to back up and try and understand what happened four years ago so we can understand where we're at now now I told you um, in my last show that, uh, there was a great shift going on within the Democrat Party. Well, you see, because there's a correlation between the Democrat and Republican Party. It's like an equation in algebra. So when a shift happens in one, a shift happens in the other. So there's a shift going on in the Republican Party right now. See, going back to about 90 years ago in this country, the Democrat Party has 
appointed itself as the party of the um, working class, sometimes called the lower middle class. There's different titles you could put on this constituency. This is also the who Karl Marx believed he could coalesce to in order to uh, abolish the capitalist system. And because Democrats for the last Democrat Party over the last 90 years in this uh, country has leaned Marxist. This has been their constituency. That all changed four years ago, due in big part to Donald Trump. See, the Republican Party had always been seen as the party of the uber-wealthy Wall Street, big corporations, big pharma. But see, what happened is the left and the Democrat Party realized that the uber-wealthy were not their enemies in forming a Marxist state, but their allies. They abandoned the working class for the uber-wealthy. And for the reasons for this, I don't have time to cover in this show. But maybe I will in a later show. So they, they commenced covertly campaigning to the uber-wealthy, but not just to them, to their children, because only the uber-wealthy can afford the expensive college tuitions when the wealthy send their children to these uh, colleges, they get indoctrinated. So they abandoned the working class for the constituency of the elites of society. Well, abandoned them isn't the most careful wording. Let's say they took them for granted. They took the Democrats started taking the working class for granted while they campaigned to their new constituency, the elites of society. See, we all just assumed that the working class was a constituency of the Democrat Party and always would be. Trump came along four years ago and reversed that. Trump campaigned to them on a 
right-leaning populist platform, and they left the Democrat Party that had already left them. And I don't believe they're going back. The Republican Party is the new party of the working class. So going forward, the Republican Party needs to campaign to them. And the conservative movement could use a little populism. I'm not saying we have to abandon our conservative principles, but I'll put it this way. We need to conserve the rights enshrined in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of we the people, the working class people, against a growing Marxist oligarchy that's attempting to abolish our constitutional republic. So that brings us to four years ago. Donald Trump is elected as a revolutionary figure in the Republican Party. Now, I want you to contemplate something here. And I said we're going to get granular in a few here. But if Joe Biden is elected president, it will be an illegitimate election. But contemplate this. The, this these elitists that are now saying to us, don't don't cry about Joe Biden being elected illegitimately. Do you understand how rich this is coming from the same elitists that cried for four years about Donald Trump's Election being illegitimate because of first Russian collusion, then Ukrainian collusion. So much that they impeached him for it. These same elites have now elected Joe Biden illegitimately. You want to know what Donald Trump is of in our politics? He's representative of our last petition for redress of grievances to King George. What do I mean by this? King George was the king during the time of our founding fathers during the time of the Revolution War. He was the tyrannical government that they had no representation in. 
In our time, King George is the unelected branch of government. Uh, which is all these executive branch departments. They're sometimes called the deep state. Did you know that these executive branch departments pass more laws per year than Congress? And we keep sending our representatives up in Congress, the presidents that we elect, representatives, they come and go. But these departments keep governing on the same course. Every once in a while, a president will fire a few of them. Or Congress will drag them for a hearing. Donald Trump ran on a platform of draining the swamp, which much of the swamp is these unaccountable departments. See, one thing most people don't know is that for at least a decade leading up to the Revolutionary War, our founding fathers attempted to fight for their rights through the legal system and their representatives. That's what petitioning the government for redress of grievances is. Let me read a short paragraph from the Declaration of Independence. This is of the Founding Fathers describing their reasons to King George why they are declaring their independence. They say, in every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. So they're saying, we've tried to be reasonable. We've tried to work through the legal system and our representatives and at every stage this has been met with injury. Donald Trump for so many of us represents our last attempt to petition this big increasingly oppressive and nearly omnipresent government for a redress of grievances. And if this is met with injury again by them taking back the White House by hook or by crook then 
many of us are at the end of our rope. And look, I'm not calling for civil war, but I am saying that we may be setting the stages for it. I want to discuss this election specifically. This nightmarish election. The amount of deception surrounding this election. The only way I know how to describe it is it's diabolical. So, there's this story from Breitbart. Um, quotes Fox News Channel's Chris Wallace. Or should I say Chris Wall-ass? Um, he says, well, as far as the recounts are concerned, and I saw that former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker said this earlier today, recounts matter if you are talking about 1,000 votes or 600 votes, something like that. They had a recount in Wisconsin and after President Trump won by 20,000 votes in 2016, they switched 131 votes. Biden is ahead by 20,000 votes. That won't be a recount that finds 20,000 votes to switch that. Chris Wallace, you ignoramus. No, he's not an ignoramus. To be an ignoramus would mean that he's naive. He's an elitist. These elitists are knowingly egging on civil war. And don't give me that. What on earth would be their motive for doing that? It's simple. They want more power. And, as every dictator knows, one of the simplest ways to grab more power is during times of frenzy. It's how come Karl Marx preached about class warfare. The elitists feed off of this. Alright, I want to address one more thing before we do a deep dive on this election fraud. Um, anyone who's telling you right now that there's no evidence of voter fraud in this election... It's most likely because their hands are dirty and they're complicit in the voter fraud. Alright, so here's the thing. Technically, Chris Wallace is right. In a typical recount, 
in a typical election cycle, recounts typically only change the vote by about a few hundred votes. The reason is because typically you're just recounting all the ballots you've already counted with the assumption that none of them are fraudulent ballots. So you're just recounting to verify the number of ballots you counted. The reason is when you're counting tens of thousands of ballots by hand, it's typical to miscount, but it's usually only by a few hundred at the maximum. But remember, this was not a typical election cycle. There, we know there was massive amounts of fraud. And so this won't be a typical recount where they're assuming that all the ballots that they're recounting are not fraudulent. That is, many of them will have to be thrown out because they are fraudulent. Alright, I want to read another story from Breitbart that um, it quotes President Trump's spe uh, statement that he made um, on election night. President Donald Trump addressing an, the uncertain election results early Wednesday morning reminded the nation that he had predicted a contested result since Democrats had begun urging states to send mail-in ballots to millions of voters. In Arizona, Trump was trailing at the time he spoke because election day votes had not yet been counted while mail-in votes had. The Trump campaign insisted that it could still win Arizona and pushed back against Fox News, which had called the state for Democrat Joe Biden. Pause. I, I have plenty to say about Fox News' irresponsible call, but I will... I'll probably postpone that for uh, another show. Trump spoke in the East Room of the White House shortly after 2 a.m. Eastern, saying that he had anticipated the exact scenario that had unfolded. Uh... Um, 
They knew they couldn't win, he said. So they said, let's go to court. And did I predict this? New? Did I say this? I've been saying this from the day I heard that they were going to send out tens of millions of ballots. I said exactly, because either they were going to win, or if they didn't win, they'll take us to court. Pause. I have to go on a rabbit trail here. And don't don't take this this is not an insult to President Trump but it it doesn't take a it didn't take a genius to predict this it just takes some somebody with the tiniest amount of common sense to predict these results. What I want to do is continue reading some of Donald Trump's speech from election night. Uh... So, quoting Trump, he says, We were getting ready to win the election. Frankly, we did win this election. And he's right. Listen to this. Breitbart states, um, In some cases, uh, in some of these states, the counting continues, but the media refuse to call the race. They're talking about in states like North Carolina, where they knew even, they couldn't even craft enough fraudulent votes to help Biden win without it looking fishy. See, the thing is with this fraud, if you want to do it uh, efficiently, you try to do it just enough to where it doesn't look fishy. Continuing, Breitbart. Um, none of these states have been called for him, and some up and went home for the night. I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not a statistician. I am a guy with some common sense, though. So let me lay out a few facts and see if any of this passes the smell test. So, election night, at about 3 a.m., Trump is ahead in a few of these battleground states. Then, these 
battleground states, we begin getting all these declarations from them saying that they're just too tired to keep counting tonight. This is the first fact that just doesn't pass the smell test. Can you think of any legitimate reason to stop counting on election night? First, uh, election night for electing the president comes once every four years in this country. You're telling me in four years you can't manufacture some system to make sure you can keep counting the votes all night? This is 2020, people. It's not the Stone Age. And second, this isn't like all the votes were counted and then there was a legal dispute, so we just couldn't, uh, we couldn't tell the results of the election until the legal dispute was, um, went to court. This is... We don't even have a count to dispute. Then I remember all the blustering. We're going to be up at 10 a.m. sharp to continue the count. Then I remember all of us who are, who are conservatives. Got to bed thinking... Feeling pretty positive, you know? And we wake up early, about 10 a.m., and we're like, what the heck? It looks like the country's been handed over to the communists. All these battleground states where it appeared that Trump was ahead by an unsurpassable amount of votes, wouldn't you know, the counting never really stopped. And Biden's just barely ahead in every battleground state to where it's almost hopeless for Trump to catch up. That's the second fact that doesn't pass the smell test. I mean, really, honestly, do you expect me to believe this bull? Look, just those facts right there seem to be enough. To look into this. And look, here's another fact. I know this isn't hard evidence, it's more like circumstantial evidence, but still, 
Does anyone believe that Joe Biden, a candidate who couldn't manufacture barely any enthusiasm at rallies, even with groups that should have been his base? And remember, Hollywood went all out spending their political influence on him too. I just want to read a few examples from this story in the Federalist where it says seven times Hollywood celebs utterly failed to rally enthusiasm for Biden. So, number one is Lady Gaga campaigns for Biden in Pennsylvania. So, the deal is with this, is she released a video ad. And I'm not gonna waste time out of our lives playing this clip. But if you want to just go watch it, it's honestly, it's bizarre. Second, you have Taylor Swift sings Social Justice Warriors Anthem. Taylor Swift released an obnoxious Biden campaign video titled Only the Young. And by the way, Taylor Swift, in my opinion, has to be one of the celebrities with the most obnoxious political opinions. The video covers a lot of um, her opinions. One of them, uh, the new Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett is cast as a villain. So, third is Chelsea Handler. Um, okay, so this begins with the rapper 50 Cent when he endorsed President Trump after seeing Joe Biden's tax plan. Um, so Chelsea Handler is apparently his ex-girlfriend and she offered to get back together with him if he unendorsed Trump. Uh, she, a white woman, explained it was somehow her duty to set 50 cents straight. He shouldn't be influencing an entire swath of people who may listen to him because he's worried about his own personal pocketbook. Yeah. 
Okay. Then you had another bizarre uh, event. Let's just be honest. Hollywood is all very bizarre. But the fourth example is the DNC convention, which the whole thing was basically uh, uh, campaign video ad by a swath of Hollywood celebrities. And it was bizarre. So, my point is this. They attempted everything. And just could not manufacture any enthusiasm for Joe Biden. Does anybody really believe that a candidate with barely any enthusiasm got that many votes? I want to get into some more hard evidence um i want to read another story from breitbart actually i'm not gonna read the total story um if you want to do that you can but i'm just gonna read a couple of points from it the article is titled Seven Kinds of Election Interference from Fraud to Censorship. Um, the article begins by saying, The frustrating thing about claims of fraud, voter fraud, is it's very hard to verify them, partly because the people accused of fraud are often the same people who would have to investigate it. This is a point that I alluded to earlier. Is part of the problem is that uh, many of these state officials who are the ones who are actually supposed to oversee, count, and certify the election results are the ones who are often complicit in the fraud. These state officials could have any of a number of motives for being complicit in the fraud. And, by the way, this is true of states with Republican officials overseeing this. Not to name any names. <coughs> Georgia! <coughs> Georgia! Alright, so... One of the main lines of argument that um, Donald Trump's 
legal team has been arguing is that uh, they've been making the distinction that every legal vote should be counted. Every illegal vote should not be. You know, I would push it a bit further, though. You know, since the Democrats are so good at pushing the norms... I would put it this way. We don't want to count votes that are just legal, but also constitutional. What I mean is this. Should votes that came in the dead of night after election night be counted? Should votes that were counted without Republican poll watchers be counted? Just because a freaking court says that that's a legal vote, which, by the way, this isn't even getting into the argument of can courts legislate? I tell you, we're right on the brink, right on the brink of cutting every last strand that's holding this republic together. Alright, I want to give you a big picture view of the state of this election. And, uh, some of this information... Uh, this data I'm getting from the Epoch Times website. By the way, they're uh, a great website. And they have the only electoral map that I quite frankly trust right now. That is because they're not calling states that um, there are legal contests in. Uh, this would include, these states would include um, Arizona, uh, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. They have them marked gray because there's still legal battles going on in all of those states. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm gonna 
end this edition of Culture Wars a little bit earlier than I had um, intended. My motivation for doing this is I have the show is intended to be it's not a daily show it's a weekly show if that and lately I've not even been doing it weekly and I think I need to uh do it start doing it more often but I I don't right now and much of the stuff that I prepared for this uh, edition is irrelevant at this point. I'm going to have to prepare and do another edition. This, this election story really is a nightmare, honestly. I mean, forget weekly. This news cycle, we're getting updates every day. No, no. We're get this election story, we're getting updates every hour. But before I end this edition, there is some more stuff I want to say. I'm going to read an article from redstate.com because it echoes uh, some things I've been wanting to say. The title says, Don't Believe the Surrender Cons. Now, I just have to pause and... Surrender Cons is a... Uh, a combination of the words surrender and conservatives. The surrender conservatives. Don't believe the surrender conservatives. The Supreme Court and a weak Senate majority cannot stop Biden and Harris's rush to socialism. I'm going to continue reading. Uh... Uh, let's see. As President Trump and his team go to the mattresses to stave off the most blatant attempt to steal a presidential election since Joe Kennedy purchased the one in 1960, the surrender conservatives have been lining up to do what they do best, surrender and kowtow before any available Democrat. Um, the current line being pushed is that a President Biden with a weakened Speaker Pelosi will be moderated by a Republican Senate and a conservative Supreme Court. Bullcrap. Um, so, the most ridiculous idea is that the Senate will act as a restraint on a Biden-Harris administration. It won't. 
um, the 2020 Senate will probably be 52-58. We got rid of Doug Jones and lost Gardner and McSally. Uh... Um, let me digress here, he says. Getting rid of McSally is not an unalloyed evil. She was a horrible candidate who was coasting off her military record. In fact, McSally is unique in history as being the only candidate ever by herself to turn a state's Senate delegation totally blue in a mere two years, losing to a mini-skirted, hooker-booted Kirsten Cinema in 2018, being appointed to the remainder of McCain's term and now being blown out by gun-grabbing Mark Kelly. Now, I want to digress here and make my own, um, I want to make my own statement is, you know, I guess I'll wait to say this till another show, but on another, another thing I want to say, um, just as a technical um observation this article as I said some of this may be because I'm not doing shows every week or even every day um, some of this article may be a little irrelevant. Um, like, for example, I think, I believe when this article was, uh, wrote, we were just going to keep the Senate. Now, not only have we kept the Senate, but we've also um, won much of the House. Um, we still don't have a majority, but we won much more of the House than we uh, had expected. Um... Continuing reading, do you really think a Senate with Romney, Murkowski, Collins are going to do anything but beat a path to Chuck Schumer's door to make accommodations? Uh, especially when collaborating with a Biden-Harris administration will let them paper the walls of their layers with laudatory press clips. Now, I want to digress again. Romney. I know, I've said enough. But, seriously, Romney. This, after what he said during, in the middle of this, uh, this selection battle that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are 
people of goodwill and admirable character. Goodwill and admirable character? Joe Biden employed his office of the vice president to sell us out to China. And Kamala Harris slept her way to political office. That's neither here nor there. I... What I want to say is... If you believe that a Republican Congress is going to thwart the Harris administration from pushing us into communism, I don't know what to say to you. Some of you aren't going to like this, but you understand by now, I'm going to say it anyways. I don't even believe that Trump alone employing all the forces of the executive branch can thwart this at this period. All right. I want to say, um, one final thing. Uh, before I end this edition of Culture Wars, this was reported by Newsbusters. Uh, this was a tweet put out by the New York Times that, of course, they've scrubbed. This tweet concisely, in a nutshell, um, says what we're facing in this election fiasco. It says, uh, the role of declaring a winner of the presidential election falls to the news media, the broadcast networks, and cable news outlets. No, New York Times, not according to the Constitution. What we're facing is a deep state coup attempt. This can't even be called voter fraud. This is 
a deep state coup attempt. Using the tools of organized crime and you can call the criminals whatever you want. Like I said, deep state, the swamp, the fourth branch of government, the Democrat Party, the left, elitists, Marxists, oligarchs. I just call them reprobates. Anyways, I appreciate you guys tuning in. And I will attempt to have another edition. Uh, soon.